Hello and welcome to the Axe Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. And we are calling this the first episode of season two, um, otherwise known as episode 33. Uh, This is our first podcast of the new year, so welcome 2019. Today I have with us teaching pastor David Robinson, but wait, who's this other person? We have um, our newest staff member, our outreach director, Todd Roy with us. Uh, Todd used to be a regular tender and very involved person at Axe Church until he and his family moved back to their homeland. They call it Michigan, Uh, but they're back and we are glad to have them all here as well as Todd as part of the staff team. And today, David hasn't told us what we're talking about, but I'm guessing it has something to do with uh, last Sunday's sermon. So yeah, we uh, what I want to talk about today, on Sunday, we talked uh, about a passage out of First Thessalonians and kind of the idea that Christians, those who are Christ followers, are going to deal with uh, suffering and they're going to deal with persecution. Uh, they're going to deal with with difficulties, and that's not a maybe. That's a will happen. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's an important thing for for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's unfair to talk about Jesus and talk about faith and talk about following Christ and not talk about the realities, uh, the realistic realities that this is a fallen world. There's going to be pain, and there's going to be suffering and pain that's directly related to being a believer, uh, whether that's spiritual warfare, whether that's just things we go through, whether that's persecution, you know, the church in China, the church in some other places, um, some some areas of India, different places in Asia or Africa, um, you you experience more of this. Uh, you experience it in a different way here. R- rarely is it uh, life and limb. Um, usually, it's more of a social persecution that happens for following Christ. Uh, but you you need to be aware of it. That's the first thing to say anything different to say that Christianity is uh, you know going to be all fun and games and and once you follow Christ everything's going to be great it's just a lie um, instead you got to think about the things are going to be great because of the joy you have in your heart because you're doing something real because you're doing something eternal rather than the temporal things you know I'm going to be rich I'm going to be healthy I'm going to be you know healthy wealthy and and wise and good looking and all those kinds of things uh, you know I mean Hunter you happen to be all those things but that's just happenstance that's not I because am? you're a Christian yeah hmm. um, so. We, you know, I, I want that to be clear, you know, that that at Axe Church, we're very clear that we teach that so that nobody comes in and says that we did a bait and switch or that we, you know, convinced them that, that Christianity was going to make their life perfect and, and things like that. But the second thing is that I think that because that's such a prevalent uh, thing out there, uh, that, you know, such a prevalent philosophy out there for, for even for Christians uh, in in some places, that people get this sort of quid pro quo, something for something idea that if I follow Christ, I get this thing. And then when that doesn't happen, they have a tendency to not have the strength to stand in their faith uh, and they throw it away, whether that, and that may be you, you might be out there, you don't go to church anymore. Maybe you still believe in Jesus, but uh, you feel very differently about God than you once did. Maybe you've, maybe you've walked away from God because things went bad in your life and somebody told you that Christianity was going to be, you know, lollipops and, and rose petals, and and you found out that that wasn't the case, and so you felt lied to, uh, you felt deceived, you felt manipulated, um, and if that's you, we want to bring the true message, which is while there is intense joy in Christ, um, that joy sometimes comes through suffering, um, and so w- what my concern is is that there are people who ha- who will or who have walked away or who have not been able to stand in their faith because they weren't prepared for what was coming. And so today I want to kind of walk through some personal stories with you guys um, about yourselves or people that you've seen that have been through suffering, that have been through difficulties. I know Todd, um, and he didn't know what we were going to talk about either, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, have him share some things about himself that I know. Uh, I know you had a, uh, a pretty horrific accident at some point. Um, I don't know how many years ago was that? 10 years ago, 15 years uh, ago, 2001. Okay. Wow. So October 25th, 18 years ago, um, 17 and a half years ago. Um, and so why don't you tell us about that? Tell us what you went through. Um, tell us, you know, I don't know, were you, were you walking with the Lord at the time? Were you, um, what was your faith like at the time? What was it like afterwards? You know, but walk through what, what, what happened in that accident and, and so on. Uh, um, yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about that. I didn't know I was going to be able to, but, um, at the time, I had been. I grew up in a church. I grew up going to a Baptist church, but you know, I went to went away to college and was pretty much doing my own thing. At this point, I was twenty eight years old and 
It felt like I could do whatever I wanted when I wanted, how I wanted, and that's just kind of how I was living. I'd go to church once in a while, but wasn't really active other than showing up on Sunday, you know, every now and again. And and I think the Lord just wanted to uh, wake me up to to realize that He was in charge, um, and I wasn't. And so on my way to work one morning, I got hit broadside by a Ford F one fifty. I was in a Dodge Avenger, which is a small car for those of you that might know what a 95 Dodge Avenger looks like. And this was in Michigan. You named two American cars, so I assume that we're in Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ford and and, uh, Chrysler. But, um, and so I was in intensive care for nine days, but hospital total therapy, speech, occupational, and physical therapy for six months. But the only thing that really happened to me was I broke my thumb and my face got crushed. Mm-hmm. And so they had to two plastic surgeries, put my face back together. Two they did closed. a great job. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Should have seen me before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told them, give me the special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make me look like uh, yeah. Brad Pitt. Exactly. But, that's they, exactly what I was thinking. They forgot the hair. Yeah, so. right. They, oh, did, yeah. they didn't give you hair transplants. <laughs> but, uh, Back in 2000, they couldn't do what they can do now, yeah. I think. So. Um, but it was a long recovery, but at the same point, um, you know, just helped me realize that life is short and I needed to get back on track. Um, and uh, I think my parents suffered probably just as much or more than I mm-hmm. did. I mean, the cop on the scene gave me a 50-50 chance of even living mm-hmm. mm. uh, through it after they cut the roof off and pulled me out. Um, but uh, Well, how, tell me about how did it, how did it feel um, in, in, in terms of your spiritual life when you're laying there in the hospital and you're 28 and, you know, at 28 we think – we can, you know, we're indestructible. And you found out you were quite destructible, um, knowing you're facing these surgeries and, and the difficulties and, and your you know, brain's not working right. You're having to do the, the speech therapy and all the right. Could you walk and, and all that okay? Um, I, through physical therapy, I could walk. Um, just balance was off mm-hmm. because of the closed head injury. Um, other so than does that, this, does this explain your golf game? Or oh man, <laughs> you think I'm bad? You think I'm bad now? You should have seen me. I did after they released me in April. Um, I think it was April or May. I did get back out on the golf course, yeah. but she's um, that was just. <laughs> you, think, <laughs> you think I'm bad now? You should have seen me back then. I believe it. I believe with a recovering thumb. I mean, your right. thumb plays a lot. To sure, do, but so. And of course, with the video games, that thumb, you know, you got to have that too. So never been good at video yeah. games. I, <laughs> I haven't worse. really been very good at them either. But um, so, but you're laying in the hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts at the time of God were they? Did you have them? Were they negative? Were you kind of like God? What are you doing here? Um, uh, your parents? What were their thoughts? I mean, they they go to church, right? They you know they have that going on. Were they? Uh, you know, did you have any conversations about that? You know, I didn't. My mom's always been more faithful to um, going to church than than my dad has been. Mm-hmm. Although my dad was real active growing up, he was the youth pastor, and um, all through church when I was going to church, he led the youth. Um, but then, as when they got divorced and we got older, he got out of going to church and hadn't gone. He hasn't gone. I don't think since since uh, week. He got divorced and whatever, but my mom always has, but it never really came up. I never really had any negative uh, thoughts or questions or why me or, mm-hmm. or anger towards God. It was more like, uh, well, that happened, so now what uh, mm-hmm. type. Um, it was more like, um, well, maybe I need to start thinking about paying more attention to the fact that He's in control and I'm not. Yeah, um, and that you might die someday. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, right. it definitely wakes you up to to be laid in the hospital. I've I've never been in you know in that kind of a you know physical accident, so I don't know what that would feel like to to hear. Yeah, you were you know a breath away from death. Um, the, how did the other guy come out of it? You know, um, I don't know. All I know is I uh, 
my mom and I met with the cop that was on the scene and they tested him for drugs. They tested him for alcohol, nothing. Mm -hmm. And they just said, they called it a driving with head up, but D-W-H-U-A or something they called it. D-W-H-U-A. bad driving. Yeah. Driving with head up, but. Yeah. That should, there should be a law against that. Right. Yeah. So difficult position to get in. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you shouldn't be operating the vehicle if you're um, that flexible. Well, contortionists aren't allowed to right, 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 have right, licenses right. anymore. Well, I mean, I'm going to come back to you, Todd. I want to move over to to Hunter and and you know, have you experienced whether you or your family, you recently <laughs> lost your grandmother, but you know, she wasn't young and she lived a full life, and so that probably wasn't as. Um, probably doesn't bring in questions of God's faithfulness, but mm -hmm. have you dealt with stuff? Have you seen your family deal with stuff uh, where, I mean, obviously you're, you're relatively young, but where you've right. kind of been like, God, oh, what's, what's up? What's happening here? Um, not, nothing, um, nothing like a, a car wreck like that. My dad went through a pretty similar car wreck when he was probably 18 or something like that, but oh, he's probably actually 17. Um, but you know, that was before me. Um, right. So, Really, nothing has really hit our family um, that bad. My grandpa, um, who passed, oh, when I was probably 11 or 12, um, he was diagnosed with cancer right around the time I was born um, with pretty serious cancer, and they gave him about six months, but he lived, you know, 10 years. Um, so I don't know, maybe people were um, thinking that then. Um, I know it was a pretty big uh, wake-up call for him because it sounds like before... Um, before this diagnosis, he was kind of distant, um, not, he, he had become a Christian around the time my dad was a teenager, mm -hmm. um, while my grandma was basically witnessing to him the whole time. Um, but it sounds like even though he was a Christian, he was pretty distant, um, kind of a loner. And then, um, after this diagnosis, he really started opening up and engaging with family and, and loving people mm -hmm. in a more real way because he realized, you know, well, he thought I have months to live, mm -hmm. um, and you know he was blessed to to get years and years um, thanks to you know medical advancement. But mm -hmm. um, you know, I bet that was pretty similar for him. You know, uh, to to what Todd was saying, not so much the. Well, in, I don't know. I, I I haven't had any conversations with my parents or or him before he passed about it. But um, it could have been you know why why God, and then coming to the realization that, you know, none of, tomorrow's not promised to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's time to stop feeling sorry for myself um, and, and live a godly way that is going to leave um, an impact and a legacy that, that will help others. Okay. Did either one of you growing up in church ever get the impression? I mean, part of this has to do with teaching, right? Right. Did you ever get the impression that you should expect um, you know, good things. And, and especially if you've been in family, a uh, family that, you know, things have gone pretty well for, you know, there wasn't always, you know, really, really bad struggles, whether that's financially or health or whatever. Have you had the impression that following Christ means, I mean, did you ever get into that teaching where it was, hey, if you follow Christ, things are going to go really well for you. You should expect things to go really well. Or was that never really taught to you? No, it was probably, I, I definitely got the opposite impression that, you know, I was almost confused, like, why my life doesn't seem that bad. Am I not following Christ? Because I think it's supposed to be bad if I'm following Christ. Mm. Um, you know, that was definitely the side of that ball that my church took. Uh, they were more on the, you know, as a, as a Christian, life's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. people are going to hate you. And I was like, well, people kind of like me like at school. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah same like here. Them. I love them, but. Yeah. I agree. I grew up Southern Baptist, and mm -hmm. it was a, you know, brimstone and, and hellfire. So mm -hmm. uh, it was never, never taught that the world was going to be peachy keen and rainbows and yeah. unicorns. So even yeah, when the hair started to go, you weren't like Lord. Where oh are you? man, you know, I knew I was like, this is it. The suffering that was always taught to me. Yeah, that's right. Here it comes. Yeah, the body of death. Yeah, probably the closest thing like to like a crisis moment that my family had growing up was my dad got laid off. Oh, and probably. 2007, 2008, mm -hmm. um, when all that happened. Um, but you know, it, it was a little bit concerning for me, but I, I just wasn't quite to that age where I was like, really like going, why God? It was more like, 
well, I guess we don't have money anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I didn't really uh, consider my faith um, throughout any of that yet, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't grow up with the kind of health and wealth doctrine being being preached, so I, I never had the impression that that temporal uh, health, wealth, success, or whatever was a was something that you were promised as a believer. Um, I do think that uh, you know the expectation that God loves us, the expectation that God cares for us and is gonna and is gonna take care of us was there. But I don't think that I interpreted that to mean that no one's ever going to die and we're going to get know, lots of money, we're going to get lots of money and things like that. I, I don't know. I I'd have to really look back at my heart at different times, which is sort of hard to do because as we grow in maturity and so on, it's I think it's sometimes harder to look back and see, you know, where was I? Um, I know that I was very immature at one point. Um, uh, that was yesterday, right. um, and you know I'm still probably pretty immature, but. You know, um, now I will say probably the closest thing I've had to this um, is when something, when things are going not good in life and nothing like that I can even remember. So, not obviously not that bad. But if just life isn't going the way I want it to go, I kind of look at it and I think, oh, how am I, how am I not living up to God's standard for me? And that is causing him to punish me. Mm Because, you know, in our world for the most part, if, you're not living up to someone's standard. They're going to punish you for that. It's part of just learning, and sometimes it's unhealthy, but sometimes it's it's even out of a healthy place. And I think God sometimes um, will allow um, the the troubles of this world um, take a hold of our life. But so often, that was probably the closest I got to um, expecting good things to happen for being a good Christian. Mm-hmm. I guess um, is what is probably the closest I got to to that experience. And so I would have to check myself and go, okay, do, am, am I trying to am I trying to get back in scripture? Am I trying to um, follow God so that I get good things? Or is it, what, what happens if I do all that and I still don't get good things? Is that where my faith ends? Is that the extent of my faith or is my faith um, to death? And that's where I have to really think about my motivation and, and things. Um, and, and why do I give to the church? Why do I... Um, give my time to the church? Why do I um, devote myself to scripture and, and to prayer? And why do I care for people that can't give anything in return to me? Mm-hmm. Um, what's my motivation for that? Is it so that, you know, God gives me a pat on the back with um, some amount of popularity or, or fame or money or something like that? Or is it um, because I love God and I want to glorify him? Hmm. It, look, it's an issue. I, I I think that for a lot of people, and there's a lot of, like I say, there's a lot of teaching that sort of can either either does misconstrue or can be misconstrued. You know, a lot of times people talk about tithing or giving. They talk about you know um, the blessings that come along with giving, mm-hmm. which are real. They're right. real blessings, and sometimes they're financial, but oftentimes they're spiritual blessings, right? They're it's growth in the Lord. It's investing in the kingdom, and so the blessings you get are are through what God is doing through through you know, your sacrifice and, and, and so on. But I think it's hard for people to to invest in something without looking for a temporal benefit. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. so I think that that can just, that can just come. And, and I, I think where it really where the rubber meets the road is when you're dealing with that difficult situation and you're praying and you're asking God and you're trusting in faith that he's going to, that he's, his will is going to be done and you think his will is, that the person gets healed, or that the the bill gets paid, or the whatever, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the thing, and the thing, you pray hard, you pray hard, you pray hard, and the thing doesn't happen. Your marriage doesn't get better right away. Your, you know, your your child goes not not for six months down a bad path, but for ten years or for twenty years down a bad. And you're continuing to pray, and you're and it's kind of like God, where where are you, and why aren't you doing what I think you should do? And then people will take things that they would call the promises of God, some of which are not promises the way that they're being interpreted by these people, um, and and start to feel like, well, God's not coming through, therefore God's not really there, therefore He's not really hearing me, therefore is there really God? And they, you know they go down this path, um, and so I think that's where it gets difficult. You know, mm-hmm. has there been times, and maybe there's not for you guys that you can remember praying for something for a person to be healed or or whatever it is i mean really you know really leaning into the lord on it and and not having it happen yeah yeah definitely and 
fortunately, I think I had the understanding that, um, you know, when I, when I pray these things, like, God, here's my will, like that this person would be healed, but I'm, it's not my will that matters, but yours. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm imploring you. I'm, I'm sharing my heart with you on this matter, but I'm not necessarily, um, I, I think I go into it knowing I go into that, that time with God, knowing that it's his will is superior to my own. Um, and yeah, oftentimes, you know, when I'm, I'm praying for a friend or family member, um, it just because of this world, it doesn't turn out the way that I am praying for, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What about you, Todd? And it, well, I give a lot of respect to those people that you're talking about, you know, that, that, their faith gets them through just the daily struggles. And I think, you know, there's a difference between suffering like what you're talking about and making through the hardships of your daily life and those like Paul who really suffered in Christ's name throughout history and Mm -hmm. many people have uh, throughout history. And and we're fortunate, I think, in the United States here, it's not a real threat um, of truly being persecuted and having to suffer in Christ's name the way the way Paul did and the way so many people have throughout. I mean, how many people do we personally know that literally have had to deal with that threat? I mean, I know one person, but he's not he's from the Ukraine. Um, you know, the person I invited to church. Yeah. Um and he literally had to flee uh Ukraine in the nineties because of religious persecution uh, as a Christ follower, and that true threat drove him out of his country to the United States. Um, and so we're fortunate with respect to that, but for those individuals that are Christians in the United States and they've grown up sacrificing so much to serve the Lord and to serve others, they're not persecuted physically, they're not persecuted uh, violently, but they know they put the Lord first, they put others first. and although all their prayers don't come true and all the wrongs don't get righted and everything doesn't come out peachy keen, but they still keep the faith daily and continue to love the Lord and serve the Lord in their daily lives. I mean, that says a lot to those individuals and it says a lot to those individuals that have to see family members killed and themselves Mm-hmm. persecuted and beat in the name of Christ. So there's um, yeah, all kinds of different ways that, that it's not easy to be a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is, there is a difference between sort of what we'd call direct persecution. You know, you're a Christian, therefore I'm going to harm you physically or fire you from your, your job or whatever, which some of that does happen even in the United States. There are mm-hmm. people who, by holding to biblical principles, have lost their jobs, have, um, you know, have, have had all kinds of things, usually economic, uh, happen to them as opposed to, to physical that, you know, who knows what the future will, will hold as far as, um, you know, those who, who hold, hold to biblical values and hold to, um, you know, what, what Christ calls us to do. There are clearly people in other countries who who face the daily threat, physical threat to them and their families and so on. And there and there are people groups that Christ has called us to go to. He's called us to go into the world. There are people groups who are not being reached right now. Who and one of the reasons they're not reached is because you, your family, your kids, whatever, will be murdered, raped, you know, tortured, uh, you know, imprisoned, whatever. If you go into those places, and so there will always be a threat for the Christ follower who's who is. Um, fulfilling their call uh, to go into the world. Not everyone is called to go to those places, but for those who are, there will always be that threat. For all of us, though, there will be the threat of if you want to live truly as a believer, there are going to be people who are upset. You know, this this Sunday and what, what is today, the 15th? Mm-hmm. So if you happen to be listening to this before this Sunday, you, know, you can come to Acts Church this Sunday or listen to it. It'll be on, on the uh, sermon channel. Um, you know, we're going to talk about some things that... Um, will offend some people, you know, just by, by their nature, you know, some of it, you know, what Paul talks about at first Thessalonians has to do with morality and immorality. And, and there are people who have views on morality and immorality that are different than the biblical worldview. And there are Christians, people who are Christ followers who have 
some views on morality and morality that are different than a biblical worldview because they've been taught um, poorly or because they've bought into some of the lies that, um, you know, Satan has, has pervaded our culture with. And so, you know, uh, that, that being what it is, the general sense that following Christ is a hard road. It is a narrow road. It is not an easy thing to do um, for a lot of different reasons and that you are not promised what I would just refer to as happiness, the feeling of I'm happy all the time. I think I have a lot of happiness. There's a lot of, you know, I enjoy my life. When I look at the, the blessings that God has in my life, and I'm not necessarily talking about physical blessings, you know, um, I'm, I'm just talking about just the joy that I have in him and the relationships that I have. And, um, you know, we just lost a, you know, a close friend in John Ware uh, just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I, I am saddened and I'm grieving for him and for his family. And at the same time, I feel so blessed to have had him in my life, you know? And so it's, it's, it's only so sad because of how good it was. Um, and so there, are, you, you have to, it's, it's about perspective. It's about the way that you look at things. And, you know, my, my heart is, my heart has been lately because I've seen um, some of this where I'm very concerned of, of some folks who have built up in their mind the idea that following Christ means X, you know, means health, wealth, whatever it is, right? Success, mm-hmm. um, respect, well, you know, whatever it is that they were looking for and they didn't get it and it, it breaks my heart to see someone walk away, um, not stand strong in the faith to what, what they would have called apostasy, right? Just leaving the faith, not standing strong in your faith as a result of not getting something that they wanted. And really what we're not talking about necessarily like people being a baby, uh, which is to say, oh, I didn't get the new car I wanted, so I'm out of here. It's, it's usually more significant than that. You know, they really experience real suffering. And as a result of that, they, you know, they can't reconcile that with who God is because they've been told that God is somebody different, that God is, is a genie in a bottle, that God is someone who you can sort of tell what you want and he's going to give it to you. Um, and it's just not the case. And I think that as we walk forward and as we, as we move on in, in culture and where the world is going, we need to understand as believers that we probably will start to experience more and more of the kind of direct suffering that comes from being a Christ follower, which is to say, if you want to continue to stand in a place that is biblical, it usually means you're going to really upset both sides, and, you know, whether that's politically or on, on almost any issue where the believer stands is is between or away from where both people, where both sides are. One side is saying you should you should be very uh, on this side of this moral issue. You know what 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 believers and the biblical Christianity would say is evil, but then the people on the other side want to take it to such an extreme where they're where they are persecuting or oppressing people who maybe are in this other side to where they're also being evil. And the believer has to stand in the middle and say, no, no. I, I love this person made in the image of, of, of God, um, who Christ loves, who we want to see saved, and, and I'm going to be in relationship, and I'm going to press into um, you know uh, a real intimate relationship with this person, trying to draw them towards Christ. And at the same time, I'm going to say that the thing that they're, that they're doing or that they're engaged in is bad for them, is harmful to them, and because I love them, I'm going to call it for what it is. Uh, you know, and, and to do that upsets both sides. On one side, they want you to say what they're doing is right. On the other side, they want you to say that the person who's doing it is pure evil. Uh, we won't do either one, and so we're in this middle position. And, and, and or I wouldn't call it a middle position. I would call it an other position. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the position of the kingdom of God. It's the heavenly position, uh, us pushing forward on earth to to bring forward forth the kingdom of God in the sense that um, in the sense that it can be here for now of course all things will be redeemed eventually but we are to be living that life whatever it costs us um, and that's hard I think it's easy to talk about it and I think it's hard to do it uh, I've been doing some uh, premarital counseling we have three or four couples in the church who are getting married this year uh, which is great that's fantastic I love marriage I'm I'm big on marriage uh, I think it's I think it's a wonderful thing that God has given us. Um, but one of the things is, you know, talking to these young people, not just about when marriage gets hard, because anyone who's been married knows that marriage gets hard sometimes. I mean, that's not hard to know. Um, although for some young people, I think they think, oh no, mine won't be like that. Like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but to talk to them about just generally how life is going to be hard and, and trying to dig into what is your understanding of what it means to be a believer. What are your expectations of God in your life? You know, what do you expect him to do, quote unquote, for you? 
and and make sure that they're not in a place where as soon as their faith really gets tested, as soon as things get difficult, they're going to walk away. You know, because if you start a marriage that way and you end up being, you know, a year or two years into a marriage, you're all of a sudden with a person who's who's in apostasy, who's walked away from the faith. That's going to be really, really difficult. I mean, we're all married here at this table, and, and if our spouse, you know, stopped loving the Lord. I mean, what would that do to us? What would that do to our families? What would that do to, I mean, it would just be, it would make life so difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it just, and, and people deal with that. You know, I had a friend in law school um, who had something like that happen, basically found that his wife really wasn't a believer, um, had kind of been faking it for, and they'd been married for several years. Um, the good end of that story was, the, you know, she ended up coming to the Lord. They have a fantastic marriage, you know, for the last, you know, I was in law school quite a while ago. So for, <laughs> for, a, for quite a long time, they've had a really, really great marriage and, and it's been blessed to the Lord and they're been very involved in, in serving him. Um, but to find out all of a sudden, oh, this is not what I thought it was. It's difficult, right? And so I just want us to be prepared. My, my thing is about being prepared, about counting costs, and making sure that we, ha- we help people to understand that. Not because I'm trying to say that following Christ is so bad. In fact, I want to take the next few minutes and talk about how following Christ is so good. Um, because I know that, we, that all of us here at this table can talk about that. And trust me, I didn't really share my my uh, difficult stories, but I do have them. I mean, there have been things that my family has been through um, that maybe on another podcast I can get into. I don't want to try to get into it uh, in a few minutes here today, but we've we've faced some things that are very difficult, and I don't think I've ever come to the point where it's shaken my faith in Christ, um, where I don't where I didn't believe in God anymore, or where I believed that it was his fault, uh, or where I was, where I was super angry with him other than to say, you know, kind of like the Psalmist, there's, there have been times I think where I was, um, wanting him to move in certain ways and frustrated that it wasn't happening. Um, certainly I've prayed for people that, that, um, I've wanted to be healed and starting with John Ware, you know, that we wanted him to be healed, but at all, at all times I realized that may not be that may not be the end. And it was not the end that he was healed. Now, he, we got, you know, it, originally it looked like it was only maybe a few months and it ended up being more like nine or 10 months that we, we got to be with John. And, and I was very pleased that he and his wife, Sherry, one of our deacons here, um, and he was an elder and a staff member as a pastor here at the church, but that they got to spend so much quality time together in those months. And I say quality time. Obviously, when someone's sick and in the hospital, it's hard to call it quality time, but they got to be with each other. There are blessings that still came out of it. But... I, you know, I wanted him to be healed. And I think most people at this church wanted to be healed, wanted to see him come back, wanted to see God do a miracle like we saw with Lyle Gadden when he had cancer. You know, we want to see somebody healed and, and moving forward, but that's not what happens every time. And, and so, um, but let me say this. Actually, I'm going to let go to you guys and then I'll say my piece at the end. Tell me about the blessing of following the Lord. Tell me about, think, think about this question. The difference between you know, because all of us have, at some point, we're not believers. I mean, Hunter probably became a Christian at like six months old or something. But, um, you know, uh, Todd and I probably have more experience of that, sort of not not walking with the Lord. The difference in life between being an unbeliever and being a believer, and and the and let's just talk about it like the depth of, of joy that's in your heart, not happiness, but joy that's in your heart as a believer. I'll start with you, Todd. Well, you know... I'm still. Uh, this is hard to say. I, you know, I've, I read the entire Jesus Freak book. I don't know if you've heard it from DC Talk or if you know about the stories in there about true Christians who have been persecuted and that. And I always, I've uh, had that longing to really have that level of faith and to right to death and, um. You know, and God willing, you know, he'll know whether or not I have to go down that road. But um, to really go through suffering and come out of it on top and to know the joy, I can probably honestly say I haven't realized it yet, although there's a lot of joy that comes from just being a, a Christian and, and living and knowing that we're loved and we're forgiven and that grace that comes from just knowing the Lord and building up that relationship. And when you see loved ones come to the Lord and you see the changes that, that the Lord can have on people that you love and that type of joy is, is unspeakable. I mean, 
most of the time it, it brings me to an emotional state of tears. I, I can't even really describe it or talk about it. Um, and it's that type of joy that's hard to really put into words. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, uh, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what kind of joy somebody like Paul who lived and ate and taught Christ and mm-hmm. the suffering that he went through and lived through and came out of. I mm-hmm. mean, that type afterwards, looking back, I mean, I can only imagine that type of joy that you would have inside of you knowing that God was on my side that whole time. And, right. I, and I think, I think um, sometimes we take it for granted that we really have it so good as of now and it may get harder, you know, <laughs> in days to come for us. Um, and if it does, you know, we can rely on the fact that we know that that joy is there and we are, we win in the end. Mm-hmm. And so that, that type of joy is, I think what is just undescribable, hard to define. Yeah. Walk me through something real quick, Todd. You, you know, you guys came to Axe Church, um, what was at the time, River Rock Church before we um, started, started Axe Church and, mm-hmm. You know, kind of for your daughter, um, Bailey, who was, you know, a teenage girl. I don't know that we need to say much more than that. Um, you know, that's a difficult yeah. time. And so... 12, I think, at the time, working yeah, on... Almost, almost a teenage girl, but had all, had all of that already yeah, there. she already um, knew everything. Right, right. She was, she was preparing to be a full-fledged teenage yeah, girl. Yeah, right. What has it been like to see God work in your family, your marriage, uh, your family? Um, you know, you guys recently moved back from Michigan because you, you guys went out there feeling like something you needed to do, but God called you back here. Um, you know, talk to me about that draw. Talk to me about what has meant to follow Christ and, and be in his church and be part of his church and you and, and Lori, your wife and, and the kids and just kind of walk me through you know what for the for the unbeliever out there for the person for the skeptic for or or for the believer needs encouragement you know what has it meant what has god done for you um and and how does that make you feel and how does that make you experience life yeah no that's really what i sometimes have a hard time even talking about just because it is so dramatic i mean my wife and i have been together for a long time and we've always gone to church and you know she knew that that it was almost something you had to do. She claimed to be a Christian. She got baptized. She accepted Christ as her Savior. But she had never really sold out to the belief that the Bible was the true Word of God, that you know, man didn't just write this book to control people and try to get money and, and build teams to win wars, you know, was her idea of what religion really was until, <clears throat> until we came here and David... Because she's really smart, you know, she's got a really high IQ, and so she's logical. She's It had to make sense to her logically for it to be real. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, it was just a book of fairy tales written by men. And and to see what the Lord did through David, um, through you, um, and through River Rock and through everybody at the church that really just reached out to us in love, um, changed her changed her life. I mean, the light bulb went on because she could see and understand that that the Bible truly is. It made more sense that the Bible was real and the true inspired Word of God. And when that light bulb went off for her it changed our lives and then to see her change and her grow. And then that fed to my daughter wanting to be a part of it because we witnessed what it was doing in, in my wife. And then from there, just the dramatic change of focus mm-hmm. um, is truly, truly a work of God. I mean, there's, mm-hmm no other way to ex- to describe that type of dramatic change in one person's life um and it and it was something that i had tried to do for years but you know my wife's her own person and, no, she, is. and she does what she wants to do if it makes sense and we love her for it 
And uh, it was nothing I could ever push her to, to really want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. But somehow you were, David, and that's... Uh, well, the Lord uh, was at work, you yeah. know, and, and when he's at work, he, he transforms. I mean, and that's, yes, and that's really did. the story here is really, you know, seeing God transform somebody. Yes. Um, whatever, whatever method he uses, you know, one plants, another waters, God gives the increase. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen it in your family, and it's been, it's been a blessing to watch. Uh, you know, Hunter, on the other hand, kind of came to us, you know, from Bible college, perfect, right? and, yeah. you know, a little, you know, just all the, all the perfect little Christian, you know, whatever he's, no, I'm kidding. He's got his own set of problems. Um, I was just, trust me. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hunter, tell me about what it's like for you. What is, what is your faith do for you? Um, imagine for a minute, just not, not following Christ. I mean, what would, what's the difference between the hunter that would not follow Christ versus the hunter that follows Christ. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, like you've been making fun of me for pretty much like, I can't think of a time where like there was a season where I was not following Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly lose sight of him, I suppose. Um, even um, since I've been here, you know, I go through times where um, there's just so much uh, chaos around me, so much um, self doubt, so much, um, worry uh, that I can lose sight of Christ. And the moment that I remember, okay, this is all, this is all great. This is all um, stuff that I should continue to work through um, as I pursue Christ. And and that's the ironic thing is that given my job, I'm, (laughs) I'm trying to solve problems on, you know, how do, how do I lead this church in worship and how do I do this for the church and stuff like that? So it's all um, very directly related to Christ. And yet I can lose sight of the fact that um, my, my joy and my self-worth doesn't come from um, how smooth life is going because I have something to hold on to that is outside of my circumstances that I'm in right now. Um, I don't have to worry about, um, you know, these, whether it's like team members or that are fighting or, or whatever it is that is uh, causing me distress, I can look um, beyond that and say, you know what, God has uh, already finished the fight for me. I don't need to um, fight. So um, I, don't, I don't need to let the fight that is happening around me um, tear me down. I, I have joy in, in the sacrifice that he has already paid on my behalf and nothing I don't, nothing else matters eternally mm-hmm. um, for I mean see, see that's where it's kind of weird with my <laughs> with with working at a church is that what I'm doing does have um, eternal um, implications but nothing that I'm doing is so big that is going to take away um, from what Christ has done for me already um, right and so that's that's uh, an awesome feeling when I'm going through those those you know, sometimes it goes on for weeks where I'm just so caught up in, in the worldly um, parts of, of just living life um, and, you know, worrying about relationships and finances and this and this and this. And um, I looked to Christ and I go, I've neglected um, resting in you for too long. Um, and I just spent some time reflecting on his goodness and, um, love for me that transcends the troubles of life. Um, and so that's, that's a pretty awesome joy that I get to partake in as a Christian. Um, and, and like Todd was saying um, with his family, you know, seeing the way God moves in people's lives, lives um, is, is pretty fantastic um, as a Christ follower, seeing him um, transform and, and take people um, to places that you never thought you, that you'd see them go to. You thought that they were going to be um, whatever way they were before um, for the rest of their life. And yet you get to see God take them and transform them um, into something uh, unique and um, beautiful for him. Um, and so that's another just awesome part that I love being a Christ follower for. Um, I did a lot of, um, camp ministry, some of my college years. And, um, you know, I, I ministered to students who were sophomores, uh, when I was a freshman in college and come to be a junior, um, or senior in college, I got to see them 
um, either come to my college and pursue ministry through my college or, um, you know, social media makes it easy to keep up with these students. Um, I made the most Facebook friends that summer when I did camp, mm. I did mm. camps all summer long. And each week I got 30 new Facebook friends because mm. uh, all the kids would find me on Facebook and add me. Um, and so I got to see how these students' lives, um, you know, they were, a lot of them were in pretty, um, bad positions in their life. They're, you know, bad relationships with their parents. Um, not really sure if they cared about faith in God or anything like that. And to see them go on in life and, and grow. And I played a very small part in that. You know, I, I was their cabin counselor for a week, um, one summer camp. Um, but to be able to be a small part of that is, is awesome. Something that I love about um, the life of a Christian. Yeah. Being able to look back in the furrow behind you and see things growing, um, and not weeds, hopefully, um, but to see fruit is, <laughs> is an amazing thing. And, and by the way, you said I make fun of you for not having you know this, <laughs> this testimony where you walked away from the Lord and smoked crack and you know um, it was one day or whatever. It was yeah. one day. <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. That, I think it's a it's a testament to what God's done in your family. I think it's a testament to what God's done through your parents and the church you grew up in that you've that you've had the opportunity. That's what I want for my children is that they don't have uh you know a time where they've where they've walked away from the lord or where they've you know struggled outside of the lord i think it's i think it's fantastic so uh, yeah but i make, make fun, fun of you <laughs> because, I, because i make fun of you because i'm a terrible person because no, that's because what you do that's that's how i show love to people <laughs> right, um, right but for me um you know it's really simple uh when god chased me down and i mean chased me down and wrestled me to the ground um, spiritually uh, and brought me to himself in the way that he did and the pain that it, it wasn't just like, yay, you know, I mean, he really came after me, you know, a lot like he came after you and Lori Todd and, and your family, you know, you, you know, it, it, it's transformational. It changed me in ways that I can't describe. I wouldn't, I would much rather die right now a horrible death than lose Christ and lose my relationship with him. I would, you know, he is everything to me. Um, it's an eternal thing. There's no, there's no human being. And I, and I'm desperately in love with my wife and I, and I, you know, love my children immensely. And I love you too. And I love people, the church, but there's nothing like Christ. And, and the, I mean, you want to talk about the security of a believer, the safety, the the understanding of the of the feeling that Christ has you. And I don't mean safety physically. But for all I know, they will throw me to the lions like they threw the other Christians to the lions. Um, you, you never know what's going to happen or what God's going to call you to. He could call Tiffany and I. You know, the kids get up and out of the house, and he could say, "Look, I want you to go to that island that that kid just died at." You know, and and get shot with arrows. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but that's not where my security is. Uh, my security is in him. And, and I, and, and like you said, it's not describable. It's, it's, you know, I could, I could cry. I could, I could, you know, have a very emotional reaction. It doesn't come across very well on a podcast probably. So I'm going to try, <laughs> try not to do that. Yeah. Thanks Hunter for the sound is effects. He, is he laughing? Yeah. Is he right? Right. I, I, the bottom line is it's everything. It's everything. It's, it's, it's life before, you know, when I was not walking with Christ and I was not living for him, it wasn't life. It was, it was a slow and sometimes quicker death is what it was uh, emotionally, spiritually, in every way I was wasting away. And it's, you know, you have the things that people think that they want out of life. Um, and, you know, people think, oh, I want this, I want that, you know, all the, all the things people think they want. And I've had those things outside of Christ and, and they're, they're hollow and they're shallow and, and they're, they're, they're not fulfilling. And in Christ, I'm fulfilled, period. And all those things are more fulfilling because I recognize where they come from and I, and I recognize them as the blessings that they are. And, and so, you know, I, I want to be clear with people who are unbelievers about the fact that it's not an easy road. It's not a safe road. It's not, it's an adventure. It's, it's real. It's not, it's not, um, you know, you come to church, you sing the songs, everyone's happy, you eat some cookies afterwards, whatever. Those are all great things. And I'm, and I'm for all of that. I think it's a blessing to be together with everybody. I love being with our folks at church and, and I love these people. I mean, I really, really love them because Christ loves them and, and he loves me and I love him. And there's, and there's definitely the kind of love fest, whatever, cheesy, whatever you want to call it. Great. I love all of that. Um, but understand that following Christ is a real adventure and it's not safe. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about Aslan who represents Christ and in, in the Chronicles of Narnia, Seriously, he says, you know, he's not a tame lion. 
You know, it's not a, it's not a safe road, but it's a glorious road. And so I, I want to be clear that it's not safe, but I also want to be clear that it's glorious and that, you know, this is one of the things I love about millennials is millennials feel called to, or, and I don't know, I'm not speaking for every millennial. Obviously this is a, a, you know, a general statement, but they feel called to be part of something more significant. And that's what Christianity is. You know, you can, you can live your whole life. They can live their whole life chasing money, chasing sex, chasing drugs, chasing, you know, whatever it is, whatever is going to make you feel good or, or get that happy feeling that you're looking for, or you can live your life for something significant and eternal. Um, and following Christ is that. And so, Hope it's been a blessing for you to uh, walk through some of this with us, and we'll have hopefully, got Lord willing, uh, many more uh, podcasts this season. And so I'm going to let uh, Hunter close us out in prayer, and we'll, we'll see you next time. All right. God, thanks for uh, this time that we have um, to just go through um, some of your word and some of your promises for us uh, as we face um, and, and look at what the true life of a, a Christian is. Um, that we are going to suffer, uh, but we have hope in you and uh, faith in you to um, deliver us from that suffering um, with eternal life. Um, I pray for those in our world today who are um, undergoing significant uh, physical suffering uh, for your name, God, um, but you are with them and they understand joy in you probably more than we do. Um, but be with them and, and protect them um, and let your church flourish in their communities um, that more would come to know you in spite of this uh, persecution and suffering that's happening. And for Christians uh, in the United States and, and other places where um, they don't face the same immediate sense of suffering, God, I pray that you would um, call them deeper, um, push them into um, a stronger understanding of your grace and your uh, love for them, that they would be able to share that with the world around them, that they would be able to um, live lives that are, are worthy of your calling um, because you called us all to be your sons and daughters and that makes us uh, rulers, really. Um, and, and I pray that you would um, help us see that and help us live um, in that joy that we have being part of your uh, holy family. Praise things in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to that podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and it was useful for you. If you haven't heard of the sermon we're referencing, you can find it on our SoundCloud or our Vimeo or our website. You can find links for those uh, in the description. I'll put those in there. And that sermon was based on 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 8. Uh, so grab your Bible and read it as well as following along with the sermon. I want to let you know that we're planning on doing something new with our podcast starting very soon, hopefully in the next week or so. We are going to split our podcast channel in two, which sounds bad, but it's good. Uh, currently, we provide our Sunday sermons and a podcast like this one on a single channel. We will be moving the sermons to their own channel very soon called Axe Church Sermons. And we called it that because we are uh, so clever and very creative. Um, the regular podcasts like this one will remain on this channel. We will also be adding a new channel soon, uh, but I'll have more information on that later. Uh, don't worry about that, but that'll be coming. Just wanted to keep you in the loop uh, because we want to be able to provide this content for you in the most efficient way. Okay, I think that's it for now. Uh, feel free to share your own stories of how God comforted you in times of suffering or whatever your experience has been with uh, faith and suffering. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk again next time.